Welcome to Beautiful Black Birthing. This is a safe space for women to come and listen and be encouraged by positive birth stories. I'm your host, Paida Ogunbi. Hello, Mamalitas. Welcome to Beautiful Black Birthing. On today's episode, we have Shamiso. She is a recent Ryerson psychology grad, and she has a special focus on child development, and she's managed to launch a very successful career in in child development so if you have any questions about child development definitely ask Shimizo because honestly uh even before you had a child Shimizo I would be sending you questions about uh potty training about behaviors and different things like that and you always had great answers and she just recently became a mom to a beautiful uh little boy hello Shimizo welcome to the podcast Hi, Pida. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be part of your podcast. This is truly a blessing, and I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, and before we start, uh, for some of you that are listening and know us, you would know that Shimizo is actually my sister. So <laughs> it is super special. That is like one of the most inti- important titles that you hold, <laughs> besides sure. being a mom, a wife, and all those other titles. Sister, yeah, and I must say, there. thank you for uh, that great introduction. Wow, <laughs> I've never had all of my like qualifications listed so beautifully. So thank you for that. Yeah. So do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and your son and how motherhood has been these last couple of months? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I have a beautiful, almost three-month-old son. His name is Ezekiel. Um, it means God will strengthen. Um, and I myself, I work uh, in early childhood education. So I'm an ECA. Yes. I've worked at Ryerson. Um, I've been a nanny for five years and, um, I've been an auntie for yes. two. Yes. Also an important <laughs> title. Also very important. I love my niece and nephew so much. Um, and yeah, so I've been around children and love working with children, especially at a young age um, and probably just even being an older sister um, as well. Um, so it's it's been exciting to know that one day, um, God willing, I was going to be able to have my own child. And uh, I'm recently married as well. I got married last year. So there's been a lot that's happened within a year. I got married, had a kid and all that excitement. So um, these past few months have been a whirlwind in a nutshell, I would say. Um, Definitely had to adjust my maternity leave plans and how to cope of being a new mom during a pandemic. Something that is completely not planned for and unexpected um, and you're taking it day by day essentially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I imagine this is not how you imagined your maternity leave. Uh, but have, has there been any positive things coming out of uh, experiencing maternity leave in a pandemic? Just definitely taking everything, um, appreciating everything that we have um, and having a lot of small wins. And what I mean by that is like, if I get up and go for a walk one day, like that is my goal for the day and I've done that and that's amazing and that's great. Or if I have a 
a great uh, tummy time with him or we get to read stories together. Um, just really a lot of small bonding moments that I get with him that I don't know if I would have otherwise because my maternity leave, I was it was going to be starting in the summertime and it was going to be like patio lunches with friends, walks on the beaches, uh, uh, play groups and all of that stuff. So keeping super active. So I've had to completely strip that back and say, how do I make my, fill my days and make them really useful, but also keep him entertained. So it's just really getting creative in that sense with being at um, having a lot to do. So I take all the small wins that I can and try and stay really, really positive. Um, otherwise, it's just, it gets really hard if you start to spiral and say like, oh, I, I could have been doing this or I could have been doing that. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I love how you phrase it as small wins and not tasks or even goals um, because it it makes it seem like you've done it, you know, you've accomplished it already. And yeah, that's just great phrasing, small wins. I think I'm going to start using that now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's like changes your mindset completely. Honestly. So why don't you tell me a little bit or tell our mamalitas a little bit about your pregnancy? Yes. Um, so I definitely was um, surprised that I was pregnant. <laughs> um, yeah, just because, again, last year we were newly married, and I knew I always wanted kids, um, but I didn't know it was going to happen, like, so soon, and this is all like, all in God's plan, and so yes. finding out we were pregnant was a shock, but there was so much excitement that came with it, um, and in the first few months, I was nannying twins and a four-year-old, wow. and they just became wow. a lot on my body, and uh, I started getting morning sickness, and um, and really, you know, you start to feel tired, and I couldn't handle uh, taking care of them anymore, so unfortunately, I had to leave um, that job and go down to working part-time, um, and the morning sickness just started to get really bad. <laughs> it just, it really started to impact like my day to day. I ended up having to go on um, diclectin, which is a like a morning sickness. It helps with morning sickness, and it pushed me to get through the days. But the nausea was still there. So definitely the first few months of my pregnancy, I was just sick and not feeling it. And I was not happy. And I was like, is this what pregnancy is? Because I had this idea that being pregnant was like sitting on a lily pad and <laughs> in the, yeah. you, know, you know, like you're so angelic and you always right. hear these beautiful stories of these women being pregnant and it's these glorious nine months. But my first like four months, I was just not loving it at all. I didn't like it or anything. And I really um, didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell anyone except for my mom um, that we were pregnant because I was just not enjoying it. So I didn't want to share the news because the second that I shared it, I knew everyone was going to constantly ask me, oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? So we kept it to ourselves. And then another reason we kept it to ourselves was because you were pregnant at the same time. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know what let me just hold off on this as long as I can and let my sister have you know this moment of being pregnant with her second and I'll I'll just say I'll just tell everyone after um and then us and uh 
then as kind of the year ended, we, we did tell people that we were pregnant and, and I was kind of starting into my second trimester at that point. And the nausea and morning sickness was still there. So wow. that was also frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they say, you know, your first trimester is the worst. You're going to feel really tired. You're going to maybe potentially get morning sickness. But by second semester, you're going to get all this energy back. Your morning sickness will be gone and you'll be back to your regular self. And I was like, great. But that never happened for me. So I was. So you're still- saying your entire pregnancy, you experienced morning sickness and you never, like, were there days that you got a break or was there a period of time? that you uh, experienced that pregnancy glow? No, not at all. The whole entire pregnancy right up until the very end was morning sickness. Uh, Eating food was difficult. I couldn't even look at pictures of food because it made me nauseous. I had to unfollow all my food Instagram accounts. No way. (laughs) And we took food day by day. Like we couldn't plan ahead or anything because I actually had very bad nausea and morning sickness and I tried really hard to not take the medicine but I needed it to help me through the day um so yeah I definitely I was one of those pregnancies that was sick throughout the whole pregnancy and that was not fun that's Um, so different and I I kind of feel a little bit guilty in a way because uh I remember you asking me questions when I was pregnant and I'd be like, yeah, like it's honestly, I have no morning sickness. I've never been sick. And I think it's because of our genes. Like I, I honestly thought, you know, because mom also experienced the same thing with her pregnancy. So I'm like, it must just be genetic that, um, that the Mugumbes don't <laughs> experience any morning sickness. Uh, but I was wrong. Uh, and, yeah. and it varies, you know, and, and it's, it's good to know that it definitely, it might be genetic, but also uh, that's probably false claims. That's true. That's very, very true. Yeah. So when I would hear you say like, oh, I'm feeling great. I was like, must be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Was there anything else that you were prescribed or anything else that you took to help sort of, yeah, your your morning sickness and just not feeling that great throughout your pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then I actually also had to take, um, I had really low iron on top of that. So iron, when you have low iron during your pregnancy, it makes you just feel more tired. Um, So I was also taking Eurofur, which is just a iron supplement. And then I was also just encouraged to eat foods that had more iron in it and also just stay hydrated. Um, So that was also something that I had to make sure to take daily as well or else it did really affect me and my energy levels I did go back to working at the daycare um, and so that was um, better for me because I had a team support and that was really nice to be in that environment as well especially with my energy levels being so low even with taking Eurofur I was still battling like low iron throughout my pregnancy Um, but it was it was challenging for sure It was a challenging pregnancy for me, especially being my first. Uh, And I just was not knowledgeable on all of the uh, side effects that come along with being pregnant, I guess. I don't know if side effects is the right word, but it was just like nothing, none of this was talked about with anybody. Like I didn't, don't know too many people who had kids. And so I didn't know that like, you can have low iron, you can be sick throughout your whole pregnancy. You can, you know, so it was all a shock to me. 
Well, it's good that you're sharing your story and offering a different um, point of view of what pregnancy looks like. Because, yeah, if you go on Instagram, you just see beautiful pregnancy photos and photo shoots. Meanwhile, you don't know that they were sick hugging the toilet 20 minutes ago before they got all glammed up, you know? So thank you for sharing that very realistic view of, uh, of pregnancy. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, what healthcare practitioner did you choose and why? Yeah, so we decided to go with a midwife. And um, the reason why we did that is because I really wanted the care that a midwife was going to give in terms of emotional and mental support as well. Mm. Um, I also probably have maybe even more of a biased opinion towards midwives because um, our mom is a trained midwife. And over the years growing up, I just saw the care and compassion she put into every single patient that she had and the the love that she gave as if they were her own children. And Mm. it was just so um, heartwarming to see growing up. And I knew that a midwife would be able, well, I would, I hoped that a midwife would be able to provide that support. And it was going to be really nice to connect with someone and almost make them, I wanted a midwife to feel like they were part of our family. And I also knew that a midwife was going to be able to provide postpartum care for up to six weeks after giving birth. And I also needed that as well. Mm. Yes. And a lot of midwives go to your house after you give birth. And I, I, and I wouldn't have to go um, to the, to go get checkups done at a clinic or anything, which in hindsight is perfect because of what happened with COVID. Right. So I was going to get that aftercare, which was going to be also really important. Um, and uh, I was going to get a team of midwives who were going to stick with me throughout the whole um, pregnancy and also at birth. Um, sometimes I do know if you go with an OBGYN, they might not actually birth your child. They Mm. You could have someone else giving, like, who could be um, at the labor. But I knew with my midwives, I was guaranteed that one of the three of them was going to be there. And that, that level of comfort um, was really important to me. Definitely. So what was your birth plan with the midwives? Yeah, so we, we, di- we didn't call it a birth plan okay. more than, like, we called it a um, kind of just, a, like, an idea. like ideas that I would like for my birth because my personality Mm. is if things don't go to plan I not I don't crumble I just get really anxious and so if I created this plan in my mind and it didn't go to plan of how my labor was going to go then I knew I was going to start to feel more anxious in labor which is not really the best thing especially when you're getting ready to push so I just told them I want to have these ideas of how I wanted to the birth to go and the pregnancy to go so my ideas that I would have loved to see through were that I wanted an unmedicated um, labor and I also wanted a delayed cord clamping I wanted to do skin to skin and um, I wanted my mom to be there and then later on in the pregnancy we added we wanted a doula to be there as well. Sorry, the baby's also just feeding right now. No ways, no ways. <laughs> um, one thing that I didn't want was an epidural. Right. 
Um, just because and, I and felt what, like, okay, yeah. Tell tell me a bit more about that. Yes. So I didn't want an epidural because I felt like my body could handle it. Mm. Um, I have a very high pain tolerance. Does that make sense? I can yeah. handle pain pretty well. Yes. Yes. And I just knew that there have been generations of women who have done it before me in my family. Um, and I also just think about all the women around the world who have like give birth without epidural. So I know that it is a very privileged thing to have in, in the North American society. And I just wanted to challenge myself. I like a challenge. So I was like, I can do this. I know I can do this. I've had, um, my mother and my sister give birth unmedicated and I know that I can do this. Another reason I didn't want the epidural was because I don't like needles. The thought of the needle <laughs> going right, that's in my what back me. Yeah. Was, was enough for me. It was enough for me to say, no, I can't. Even in our birthing class, they, they showed us the needle and I just stared at my husband and I was like, that is not going inside me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I said, no way. I will do the whole thing unmedicated. I can do it. So that, yeah. that was our birth. That was, those were our birth ideas. Birth ideas. So did someone write down these ideas? Did you speak to your midwife or your doula about these ideas? Uh, like, was it a concrete like list of birth ideas? Or was it just something that you spoke about with your midwife? Yes, they did write these down for us. Um, and so they had them noted just because we had three midwives. So like, everyone was, um, everyone was on board with what was going to be um, for the labor. So they didn't know, everyone didn't know, but we, it was very loose. It was always changing. Um, but the concrete ones were the ones that I listed and we were open to anything that they recommended, but I trusted them fully. I trusted them. And I always said from the beginning, if at the end of the day, if you do tell me that I need an epidural, um, then I will get one because you guys will have tried all the other measures. And if you feel like the epidural is needed, then that will happen. Um, oh, I should also add that we were planning on giving birth at the Toronto Birthing Center um, and not the hospital. Great. And how did the pandemic alter those plans? Because you have a very, uh, this is the first story of birthing right in the thick of it. So I, I really want to um, shed some light on that and and what it was like uh, pre-COVID in terms of you planning. And as you saw the news reports, as you saw the statistics coming in, how did that change your birth plan? Yes. Um, so right when COVID hit, it changed everything for my birth plan in terms of the support that I was going to have. So a major one that I really honestly had to grieve through was not having my mom there and that was really hard because as young as I can remember teenage years I always envisioned my mom at my birth and not having what woman doesn't yeah right right and not having her there and the rules changed for the hospital where it can only be yourself and one support person um and even it changed where at the midwifery um, clinic, it can only be me going to the last few appointments that I had. 
Um, and, you know, my husband, he really, really wanted to be at every single appointment and he couldn't come for the last few uh, couple months of it. Um, and then we find out that now it, I can't have my mom. I can't have a doula. It's really now just my husband and I who are going to go through this. And that was just really hard. I had to yeah. allow myself to feel that sadness because yeah. it had to it had to pass so that I can get strong for the birth. Um, with COVID, I also really had to make sure that I wasn't going to get an epidural because at the birthing center, they don't have any of those supplies. Um, it's really just a place if you're going to have a natural birth, I think you can have water births there as well. Yes. Um, and sorry, not natural, unmedicated. Um, if you're going to have an unmedicated birth. And so I knew that I was, did not want an epidural and I knew that I wanted to give birth at the birthing center. So I felt pretty secure with that of not having to go to the hospital. There was so much scare about going to hospitals because women who are giving birth at different hospitals throughout the Toronto, there were different rules, but the women giving birth the husbands or the partners, friends or whoever they chose, they had to stay in the room with them. And women were learning this as they went because sometimes their partners couldn't even go out to go grab food, but they didn't plan to bring food because they thought they'd at least be able to go to the hospital cafeteria. Um, and I didn't want the idea of Lechner potentially like leaving and then not even being able to come back into the room if we had to go to the hospital. So that made me worried, but I had a, a safety sense because I knew that we were going to the birthing center. Um, and the and birthing, the center, birthing is, center, could he leave and come back as he pleases? The birthing center, um, the way it's set up there, it's beautiful. Um, yes. It has a little kitchen and a, like a little living room area. And then you have your room with a nice big tub. And it, it feels like you are on a vacation. <laughs> I swear. It is um, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we knew that we could bring our own food. And he could at least go out and cook food if he wanted to. Or sit in the little living room area. Although if he left my sight, I was not necessarily allowing him to leave for long periods of time. But he could go make a coffee for himself if he wanted to at the birthing center. And he had that freedom to kind of walk around. There's only, I believe, four rooms. So um, while we were there, there, we were the only ones in the whole center. Um, so it had more, like, you had more free will, I guess, to do what you wanted. Um, but COVID just put a halt to my plans of support and that was really hard mm. and was your doula offering virtual support was uh mom your mom able to you know call in if she wanted to were you trying to recreate that support virtually Yes. Yeah, so the doula has then offered to give some postpartum support after virtually which was really nice and much needed. And then my mom um, made sure she quarantined herself before she actually drove to Toronto 
to come take care of um, Leah, who is my stepdaughter. And she was able to be at the house for the first three days after the baby was born. So she wasn't able to be at the labor, but she was there at the house when we brought him home, which was still very nice. So in a sense, I still had um, my mom, our mom, there. What type of things do you do to prepare for your labor? So you mentioned the class. You took a class? Yeah. Okay. So how we prepared for labor, um, we were able to go to a couple birthing classes in person, but then when COVID happened, we had to do online classes. Um, they shared YouTube links with us, and there was also the, the Toronto Public Health has some classes as well. Okay. Um, so we did a couple online classes, and prayer was also really important for us. Um, we did a couple of devotionals that helped prepare for a new parenting as well. And that was really good um, just to connect with each other and spiritually in that way. Um, and how else did we prepare for labor? Well, just essentially having everything ready at home early. And mentally for me, it was just to know that anything can happen um, after labor, so like postpartum. Uh, and to really just try and stay as calm as possible um, and not to go down the Google rabbit hole. <laughs> so um, that was also a way that we prepared is just to not give too much information to ourselves where it was going to become overwhelming. And um, also I was seeking um, some counseling through the Mount Sinai prenatal mental health program that also helped me prepare for labor. So they have a great program for free that you can be, um, your care provider can send your information over to them and you can, can be connected with a social worker and they oh, provide, um, yeah, they provide counseling throughout your whole labor and also one year postpartum as well. So I'm still wow. currently doing that. Yeah, it's really, really great. It's free oh, as well. But I highly recommend. Can you send me using... a link to that? Yeah, I can definitely okay. send you a link. Um, just because your home, your hormones change uh, like with pregnancy. Um, so it was really good to have uh, therapy throughout. And yes. also, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Yes. Um, and then also been really good to have uh, therapy after as well. So they have postpartum groups and then you still have your social worker and you can speak with them, yeah, for up to one year. So that was also very, very helpful. All right. So could you go ahead and tell me about the beginning stages of your labor? And let's answer that question after our break. Hello, mamalitas. So, big news. I actually just gave birth to another baby, okay? I've been pregnant with this baby for about five years. Uh, it's not an actual baby, but it's a marketplace for black hairstylists and wig creators to go on, list their services, and you can book them right in the marketplace. So, if you are a hairstylist, a wig creator, 
a just something to do with hair for the black community go on check it out because there is something there for you this just makes things more seamless I got so tired of scrolling through Instagram Facebook Gigi just to find a hairstylist using hashtags and it was tedious to try to book them and DM them this just brings it all together under one space making it effortless so check it out browse book and beautify at Kabibi All right, so could you go ahead and tell me about the beginning stages of your labor? I started to feel contractions in early afternoon. I can't even remember days anymore, so I'm not going to say days. (laughs) (laughs) I started to feel contractions uh, in early afternoon. And what I didn't know was that um, Ezekiel, my son, he was coming down, we were coming, he was coming down spine to spine. So oh, the term wow. is uh, pos- posterior. 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 Yes. yes. Posterior. So that means that his spine and my spine. So he was, it was bone to bone. So Ooh. my early labor, which from all my classes, they say early labor, don't take it too seriously because you will start to stress yourself out and your contractions can go become further apart. So when you be, start feeling the contractions, still go on with your normal day, go for walks, do whatever you want to do until your contractions become more intense. But he was coming down on my spine. And so my early labor contractions were intense. And I was confused because I thought I could just move about my day, but I couldn't even do that. I was in a lot of pain early on. And I called my mom and she um, drives down from Peterborough to Toronto in early labor, which I was not the plan. And I, I was like, mom, I, they feel intense. I don't know what this is. They're, they're not the 411 ratio. And the 411 ratio means that your contractions are four, four minutes apart every minute what is the four one one so the contractions come every four minutes lasting one minute each for at least an hour four one yeah okay so you were at the four one state i was at the four one state so but it was a I'm, lot more painful than some of your birth classes have been talking about it was extremely painful and right. i didn't know if it was going like i i felt like i was ready to go to the birthing center like so our mom she was trying to give the best advice she could when she got here and she was telling me to go on walks and and I was at 411 so we called the midwife and my midwife says okay I'm gonna come and I'm gonna check you and oh another thing that I didn't want to know for my pregnancy was I didn't want to know how far dilated I was until it was ready to push Hmm. Because I'm a very calculated person, and if I'm like, oh, I'm two centimeters, and then I'm four centimeters two hours later, so I'm going to jump to 10 centimeters in no time. But I knew that if I started calculating how far dilated I am based on the hours, I was going to start to get like obsessive over it. 
So I didn't want to know how dilated I was. So I find out later after the birth that when the midwife came for the first time at our house, because I was counting my contractions and it was four one, I was only two centimeters. Wow. And I was like, oh, darn it. So it was late at night at this time and our mom said, okay, let's just try and go to sleep. They actually ended up giving me something. She put it in my thigh. It was kind of like a, I don't know what it was. It might've been something similar to an ad, not an Advil, but um, it was like a muscle relaxer, I guess, um, just so that I can try and get some sleep throughout the night. And the contractions just started to get worse and worse. And were you able to sleep at all? Oh, I did not sleep. Did not sleep at all. Like I was up every like what felt like 20 minutes. Luckner slept, my husband, like a baby. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was night one. I always get to sleep, isn't it? Yes. So we're going into the next day. It's a full like second day now. Oh, sorry. It's a full 24 hours now. Um, and again, my contractions are they're really, really intense. And our mom, she tells us to go on walks. And uh, my stepdaughter, she was really good. She was super excited. She was, she used the contraction app to like help us time it. So then I would be like, Leia, push start. <laughs> she was like, push start for us. And then I'd go through the contraction and then I'm like, Leia, press stop. So she, like, she had a really good role to play in it as well. Um, and that's and such a really- great way to involve her because she's about six years old, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah she's so six years old. At, at six years old, you know, I, I'm sure she's, this is something she's going to remember. And yeah, that's just such a sweet way to get her involved. Right. Yeah. Um, and so by early evening, we, I felt like it was time for the midwife to come again. Another alarming thing that kind of was to be monitored was they were, my contractions were 411 and then they'd be 711. And then, so they were not consistent, um, which is going to play a part for later on. So later in the day, 24 hours later, I was like, I need her to come check again. So she came to check. And I was at five centimeters, which I didn't know, but I found out later. So I was at five centimeters and it was finally time to go to the birthing center. And I so had this exciting. Whole, yes, it was very exciting because I was finally leaving. I was going to go to this beautiful birthing center. And I had this whole idea of early labor. I was going to do my nails. I was going to do my hair. Um, I only had it in like uh, double twists. And I was going to do a a light makeup look for all of my Instagram pictures. I was going to have a cute outfit going there. I had this whole plan for early labor. But because I was in so much pain for pretty much a whole day, I didn't do any of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At this point, you're you're probably just trying to get to the car. Like, drop everything. Make sure you're clothed and just to the car. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, nothing came to it. Nothing, none of that happened. So I was not looking cute going to the birthing center. I didn't care though. Like at that point, I did not care. I was like, just get me there. So um, Toby, um, your husband, came to pick us up to go to the birthing center. And I was in excruciating pain. That drive was terrible. I thought I was going to die. And Luckner, my husband, he was trying to get me into the car and he was trying to get me to get a seatbelt on. And I just remember almost like 
ripping his head off because I'm like, I cannot put a seatbelt on right now. Just get me in the car. And he's like, worried about my safety and all this stuff. And we're like, let's just get there. So get in the car. He gets my seatbelt on. We drive. It's about 25 minutes from our house. And we get we check into the birthing center. And I finally get into the room. And, and, and so like, just in the car where your contractions still at that 411 pace and pretty steady? Or yeah. did they slow down or even speed they up? Were, they were um, consistent. The whole time oh, we were okay. in the car, they stayed at 411. And we... Um, got to the birthing center because they do say a change in environment can slow down your contractions. Uh, and I was really worried about that because the yes. last thing I want to do is the, my contractions to be slowed down. Um, we were very thankful for Toby to drive us to the birthing center. And uh, we got settled into our room. Our midwife was already there and she was able to just start using the equipment in the birthing center to help my contractions staying con- to stay consistent. Um, so they have a, a birthing ball there, they have a tub there. Um, and there's just, it's a calm room, all the lights are low, you can set up your own phone to have your own music. Um, so there's just a lot that you can use to help you. The bed is a double bed, so you can fit you and your partner in the bed. And it was just very relaxing from when, like the minute that I got there. So that was really nice. Um, and we essentially just started moving around and it's now early morning, about 2 a.m. And she's only checked me like, a couple times um and Luckner ended up sleeping for a little bit and I was just having my midwife there the whole time with me and I think she was with me the whole time because of COVID right um, yeah I had other support systems there I I think and you can probably attest to this I don't think that the midwives are always there from with the with you the whole time while you're kind of progressing no definitely no they're not they um for both births like the birth i had at the birthing center with thomason uh she would come in and check me and then she would like she would be there for a little bit just checking to see if i'm okay and then she'd leave the room and let us just kind of labor in the room and you know to each their own i preferred that because it gave us like uh I wanted a very intimate birth I didn't want too many people uh in that room with me while I was laboring even having mom in there sometimes would be a bit much or another midwife or and and so sometimes just having me and Toby in the in the room was ideal yes definitely the type the the amount of people and who's in the room definitely changes like just your whole mindset. Um, and for me already just losing the idea of hot mom and then now having the midwife there kind of, it helped me to just know that I had that extra support there. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it sounds like that's what she was serving, you know, that's what she was kind of offering without saying that she's offering it. 
exactly exactly yeah Yeah. so she knew how important it was for me um and also mom she did want to be uh video chatted into okay the room so we did have her on video chat for as long as we could and then at some point she we lost connection and we just forgot but um it was still kind of nice almost just to have mom virtually there you know she was offering support while Lucknear was resting she was talking to me and so that was just nice to have um so so now my contractions are getting more intense and she's gone through she's what type of things are you doing in the birth center? Oh, yes. So I had a part of our birth ideas were to go through um, the labor experience with the presence of God there. Mm. So it was very important for us to have our scriptures written down. We had a little notebook of um, scriptures that were going to be helpful. Uh, I had worship music playlist. Um, there was a kind of like a guided like not meditation but a words of affirmation that you had sent me um from a lady who was going to be helping you through contractions yes yes i'll link that down in the show notes it was so good it was so helpful um just having a calming presence and she was also christian um so that was also really nice to have those words of affirmation and the playlist was also really good to have and i did have my beyonce playlist for anybody who knows <laughs> Maybe you are the you're like queen of the beehive queen. so i had to come i was flip-flopping between the two but um it was just really nice to have music that was calming for me and um that that helped me push through because I was singing a lot. Um, I love to sing, so actually singing was um, therapeutic for me to get through tough contractions and a, also a distraction. So um, I was really glad that I had such a variety of things to turn to when I felt like I was focusing on the contractions too much. Um, and at times, I also listened to... Um, different podcasts prior to uh, giving birth. So I was remembering women who were, there's a Christian podcast. It's called um, The Birthing Hour. Yeah, there's The Birthing Hour. Then there is Birthing in God's Presence. Birthing in God's Presence. That's the yes. one that it was. So Birthing in God's Presence, also recommended by you. So that was a good yes. one. Um, And I listened to all of these women who had different types of labors, but the main thing that they had center within them was God was in the room. And I tried Mm. to remember that as much as I can is that God was going to be able to get me through each contractions. So I'm telling myself to almost like, thank God that he was able to give me enough strength to get through each contraction and to thank the contraction for passing through my bodies and just to be able to relax in that state of mind. And prayer was also important as well. Um, so those are the different things that I was doing uh, in each contraction. And mind you, each contraction is coming about every like few minutes. So you're really consistently trying to get through each contraction. And the strongest thing that got me through that was through prayer, worship music, words of affirmation, and Beyonce. So yeah. <laughs> Beyonce is an important aspect. Of course, God first, and then uh, Beyonce is somewhere on that list. 
Yeah. yeah. And I love that you said you thanked each contraction uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, the, even the word contraction is pretty hard, but that's exactly it. You know, to thank each contraction means that you are one minute closer to meeting your baby. Yes. I love that. And um, yes, yeah, so Mama Lita's hear that. She thanked each contraction because that contraction is only helping your body get that baby out. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, it was definitely something that I learned and kept in mind for sure. Um, and after all that time, it's early morning, we're going through the second check. Um, this is when my labor definitely took a turn. Um, my, my husband and I, we were at this point so tired. I couldn't, yeah. the contractions were just very intense. Um, I'm still I don't know, having an unmedicated labor and my body is exhausted. It's early morning. I don't know how far dilated I am because I don't want to know. Um, and she said, we're going to do one more check. And then we have to start talking about alternatives. And that's when I start to get scared. Hmm. In my mind, I thought I was still at five centimeters. I didn't know how far it was. And she tells me, she says, you're at seven centimeters, um, but your labor has started to become non-progressive. So what that meant is that uh, Ezekiel had just stopped coming down the birth canal. And my contractions also just started to become um, irregular, like they were not consistent. And I was so sad because I'd made it so far. Yeah, seven centimeters. Seven centimeters, unmedicated. And I, she said, you know, you, we can try other, other things. We can go back in, the, back in the water. We can, you know, climb the stairs in the building up and down. Um, we can just, you know, try different poses and, you know, your partner, you can lean on your partner more. What would you like? But I'm going to recommend that we go to the hospital and you get an epidural. And I just cried the second that she said the word epidural. And I felt defeated. I really, really felt defeated because my body just couldn't take it anymore. My midwife could see it in me that I had nothing left to give. If I was already feeling tired now, how was I going to have the energy to push him out? And I I didn't know too many people who have had epidurals. And I just felt like within myself that this was not what I, this is the last thing that I wanted. I didn't even know if I wanted the needle. <laughs> like right. I just felt so sad. Um, so we called um, mom and she really was encouraged. I was scared to call her because I felt like she was going to push me to continue in my mind. I, in my mind, I knew that the reason why my midwife was saying epidural is because she has tried everything. And I felt Were like my mom was still experiencing back labor at this point. 
Yes, he was still coming down on my spine. So essentially, Ezekiel, he, sh he needed to be rotating himself, but he was not rotating himself. And also, he just stopped coming down. So he was still coming down on my spine the entire... So this is a day and a half of him coming down wow. spine to spine, bone to bone. Um, but when I called mom, she was very encouraging. And she just... You know, we prayed together and she said, if this is what the midwives are saying, then, you know, go with that. And that was really reassuring to hear. Um, oh, my God, I feel emotional just thinking about that moment of the epidural because um, just getting that support and encouragement from her really meant a lot to me, especially because she wasn't there. Um, and my husband, he really, really wanted me just not to be in any more pain. He could see it in yes, me that I was yes. just in pain. I was in so much pain. So he wanted what was best for me in order to relax. And isn't this such an encouraging story, Mamalitas, okay? Shamiso, she's at the birth center. She had this birth idea of giving birth at the birth center, but things aren't exactly going to plan. I mean, what birth plan does? This is such a positive and encouraging birth story. So tune in next time to hear about where Shumiso decides to go. Thank you, mamalitas and papalitas, for all the love that you've shown this podcast. It truly keeps me going. If you have a five-star review to leave for me, again, I will give you a cup of coffee or tea on me. Uh, just send me your email at beautifulblackbirthing at gmail.com and I'll be sure to get that to you. Also, don't forget to check out kabibiapp.com. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you. Podcast was produced by me, Pida Ogumbi, the music by Greg Rossetti, and the graphic design by Amanda Fortune.